cue. That'd be a good corner, wouldn't it? We're in Psalm 37 tonight. A focal point on two verses. Psalm 37, 23, and 24. And if you're able, if you'll stand in God's honor as I read from the text. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the way you hold on to us, Lord. We sometimes expend a lot of energy trying to hold on to you. But fortunately... We are called in the grip of grace. A grip that is not wrenched free, but is secure and tight. Tonight, Lord, as we look at your word, I just ask that you speak to us. Father, we need to hear from you. Thank you that we've been able to sing to you, pray to you, give to you, just to honor you, Lord. And may that continue as we look at your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, you know, I've often said that sometimes I think I really only have two sermons in me. Uh, the first sermon is, we're all a mess. And the second sermon is, he is a great savior. And the two certainly go hand in hand. Um, you know, there's a part of us that wants to strive. And, and we, we're called to walk close with him. But I think that as we walk close with him, the focus is never about, I'm going to be a super Christian. I think we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ when the focus is simply Jesus. And wanting to get to know him and wanting to be genuine. You know, there are some in the Christian faith that have this idea that um, you can reach this idea of the perfect walk with God. And I remember uh, a guy telling me uh, that he was talking to his brother who was a, a preacher in one of those type of churches. And he told him, he said, I haven't sinned in a couple of years. And he looked at his brother and he said, I love you, but you're a liar. And it made me think of 1 John 1 verse 8 that um, tells us that if if um, we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth of God is not in us. It's not that he doesn't save us and that he doesn't transform us. It's that it's always about him. It's not about my effort alone. And, you know, as we, well, as you start a new year, you know, here we always started a new year and we usually set these um, ideas of what we're going to do for the next year. You know, how we're going to meet these grand goals. You know, whatever it is. And usually by now, we've fallen off the wagon of whatever those goals were. Or at least that tends to be my tendency. Uh, I confess, I don't know, I don't write much on Facebook. But yesterday was our, our 28th anniversary. And uh, I'll just say a word about my wife. You know, you, you try to think of something to say. And I think the thing that I most appreciate about her 
it's 28 years later. I just love to be with her. I just really love to be with her. She's uh, a lot of days I'll be doing stuff and I'll think, I can hardly wait till I can go home and be with Cindy. And, you know, I say that and I think really, isn't that kind of what God wants us to develop with him? Is that I just can't wait to be with Jesus. It's just spend time in his presence and and to know him and and to walk with him. And uh, in this message, in this scripture, two truths, and then we're going to look at our outline. The first is that we have a God who loves us perfectly and he knows us through and through. He knows the good and the bad. As I often say, he knows the warts and all about us. Um, And as he says here in verse 23, um, the Lord delights in a man's way. He makes his steps firm. And that word firm in the Hebrew means to establish with a strong foundation. He gives us sure and secure steps in the way that we walk. And he knows us. Proverbs 16, 9. In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And of course we quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. I know it in about, well I don't know it. I probably have studied it in you know three or four translations. So it comes out, I'm not sure. It's kind of a hodgepodge, but it comes together. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. I always want to say make his path straight. One of those I've got in there. But the point of the fact is that he guides firm steps when we walk with him. No circumstance that we face is out of his eyes, away from his sight, apart from his knowledge. He knows the good stuff and the bad stuff. He knows the celebrations. He knows the pain. He knows the losses as well as the gains. I always think of Romans twelve fifteen tells us this is how we should connect with each other. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. We don't just come and pass each other. But the call is that we're vitally connected. To rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. And God loves us that way. He wants us to have that kind of relationship with him, the living God. Second, uh, God promises when we stumble, we will not fall. As it says in our text. And picture a, a trail that winds through a dense forest. And you can't really see everywhere you're walking. And maybe there's a root that you miss or a rock that you couldn't see and it's easy to trip and to stumble and to find yourself falling. But when it says fall in Hebrew here, it means a headlong fall into a deep pit. It means a fall that you don't recover from. A deep fall that causes uh, damage, deep damage. And the picture here is that we'll not fall in the sense that he's going to catch us. When we think that there's no way we're going to get through, that we're on the free fall, that there's no way that we'll be saved, he says, I'll catch you. I will be with you. 
Uh, it's a picture of the fact, as I said earlier, not that I'm holding on to him, but that he is holding on to me. And I guess a good picture of it is picture a father and a son and his son's young, small, tiny hand. His father has a big hand. And, you know, which is better if the son tries to hold on to his dad's hand? And, you know, maybe all he can really do is pinch the skin on the hand. He can't really get a good grip around the hand. So it would be easy for his son to lose his grip. And then he's not stable. He's not safe. But the picture is not that the child, the small child, is holding on to his dad, but that the large grip of his dad's big hand securely has him so that he's not going to fall. And that is the way that God upholds us. We all go through stuff in the course of a year. Um, It seems like, man, as years go by, I realize we all really are a mess. I don't know a single family that doesn't have some kind of really heartbreaking situation that they're dealing with. And, you know, I don't know everything that's represented here. To be honest with you, as a pastor, I don't necessarily want to know everything. You know, it's like sometimes we know more than we want to know. We know that a lot of people are hurting. That's for sure. Um, and, and, you know, who knows what catastrophes are faced just within this room. There's some that have faced or have a loved one that's faced some kind of moral sin where they've made a decision that's hurt not only themselves, but the people they love all around them. That's caused a lot of pain. Uh, Some dealing with job loss. Some dealing with health issues. Um, Some who are dealing with breakup of a marriage. Or the end of of a close friendship. Or bankruptcy. You know, they're in all kinds of trouble financially. Some dealing with a loss of a reputation. Um, there are a lot of things that cause loss. There are a lot of things that cause a fall or a stumble, I may say. But not a fall that's going to end up in a total crash. Because God says, you know, when you turn to me, although there's a stumble, there's a place where I'll catch you. And that's kind of the point of the scripture. It's interesting as you look in the text, there's all kinds of examples of this. I mean, think of Noah. Here's this guy preached 120 years. Eight people ended up on the ark. What a man of God. And yet, boy, how he stumbled. We catch him in this crazy situation where he's drunk and he's exposed himself to his sons. Then we have Abraham. Twice he's lied and said that his wife is is his sister, which there was some truth in that, but it was to protect his own hide without really thinking about the safety of his own wife. There's Moses who killed an Egyptian, and then he ran away out of fear. And, of course, David, who is also in the Hall of Shame as well as the Hall of Fame with, of course, his large list of sins. It just seemed to get worse and worse uh, as it continued on, as he kept trying to cover up, and he couldn't cover it up. And then Peter, remember Peter, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus is like, Peter, you, this is from God, you got it. And then what's he do? He rebukes Jesus. And he goes from the man to, get behind me, Satan. What a fall. And what's he say? God, I will go with you, Jesus, wherever you go. You can depend on me, you can count on me. I will always be by your side. And three times. 
as Jesus warned him, he denied Christ. The rooster crows, and he is broken. He's broken. You know, but as we look at these stories in the Scripture, these accounts, I'll say, because some people would say they didn't happen. They happened, I believe. It's still a picture of humanity. It's a picture of us, how we stumble and, and how we mess up. I think it's interesting, uh, Romans fifteen four says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. So when you look at this book, God wants to encourage us through this book. And he wants to give us endurance so that we can continue to walk beside him. Because we'll stumble. But he promises to keep us from the total free fall. We have an enemy that would love to see us fall. It says in 1 Peter 5.8, he's like a roaring lion. He's all around us looking for somebody to devour. Somebody to consume. And he... Part of his goal in that is he knows that God loves us. And so he wants to hurt God. And so he goes after us as a part of his pursuit. Proverbs twenty four sixteen, a couple of verses. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. But the wicked are brought down by calamity. Psalm 145, 14. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all those who are bowed down. When we fall, remember that God's there. God's there. All right, let's look at the outline response to this. Uh, Every detail of life is under God's control. It says, um, if the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. And God knows you. I'm not saying, I don't mean he knows of you. I mean he knows you. Psalm 139. Um, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. No, let's just think about this. God's taken a good hard look at you. He knows you. He still is looking at you because he cares about you. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. He knows when you sit. He knows when you're on your feet. He knows what you're thinking. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. He knows what you're thinking, where you're about to head. When you're just so exhausted, you're going to lay down. He's familiar with all of it. Matter of fact, verse four, uh, 4, he says, Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. He knows that stupid thing you're about to say. Or that word of encouragement. He knows it. Verse 5, he says, You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. God has surrounded us. He's laid his hand upon us. His blessing. Uh, verse 6, he says, uh, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. In other words, it's just over my head that there is a God that loves me with that kind of love that is so complete, so unlimited, so unconditional. <laughs> it's hard.
hard to fathom. Verse uh, 7, he says, um, If I, uh, Lord, where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? He says, If I, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my dead bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. <laughs> you hold me fast. He goes on, he says, If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The light will shine like the day. <laughs> For darkness is as light to you. God, you know me. You know where I go. He goes on. He says, that's just beautiful to know. He says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. When I was in mama's tummy a cooking, he knew all about it. He knit me together. It is a picture of he made you as a specific individual. Nobody quite like you. I love that where it says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are his workmanship created for in Christ Jesus to do good works. The word workmanship means, it's a, the Greek word poema, and it means we are God's poem. That he has beautifully crafted us for his glory. And that's the picture here. He knit us together. Specific. You are God's special poem. His special workmanship. Um, he goes on. He says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Wow. Todd, explain that. I can't. But it doesn't matter. It's true. God knows it all. Uh, he does. Verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. <laughs> How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Ain't great. The psalmist turns, he's thinking about how deeply and intimately God knows him and that he can trust him and that where he walks, it's secure, it's firm, it's, it's a place that's safe because it's the God who knows you completely and unconditionally with that type of love. And he switches from all that thought of, that I've read so far to said, hey, I'm thinking about your thoughts. There are too many to count. And even when I'm asleep and I'm not thinking about you at all, I wake and there you are. You're still with me. It's all under God's control. And we can trust him because this is a God who knows us that deeply, that knows us that intimately. Yeah, we have questions. We say, if he knows everything, why is there evil? Why is there suffering? was funny this week. I've been listening to Rick Warren on a podcast. Uh, and he was talking about evil. And he said, talking about choice. And he said, if God wanted to get rid of evil, he'd just kill you. And kill me. Why? Because many times we're the vehicle of evil. 
But God has decided in his love to take his image that has been bruised and marred. And through the grace of God to restore. That is what our God is in the business of. He doesn't call sin, but he's aware of sin. He doesn't cause that which is out of his will. But he's still in control. I don't know how to understand all this stuff. I remember that Calvin used to call the Bible God's baby talk. Why? Because that's about all we can handle. It just gets so deep. And so hard to understand and to fathom. I know James 1, 13 and 14 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God doesn't do the tempting. It, he goes on, he says, But each one is tempted when by, on, by his own desire he is dragged away and enticed. And then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And, and so he says... There is a choice. There is a battle inside of me. And I make that choice. God doesn't force that choice. But yet God is in control and knows of the choice. See, my my brain's starting to smoke. As you try to figure some of this out. We can't figure it out. We don't have to have all the answers to trust Him, though. Uh, I love the story of George Mueller. Many of you are familiar with George Mueller. I encourage you to read a biography of George Mueller if you haven't. But he was a man in England. God got a hold of his heart, he and his wife. And he felt a strong desire to want to start an orphanage. The only problem was he didn't have any money. He didn't have any orphans. But no problem. So he started praying about it. And the coolest thing happened. He gets a phone call. I have got a place for you that you can use for ministry. House to use. Great. Thank you, God. Gets a house. Uh, next thing you know, he starts getting money. People find out he's got a heart for orphans. They start bringing stuff for children. He had everything but kids. And George Mueller stopped and said, I forgot to ask God to bring some orphans. And so he prayed about that. And it's amazing. I mean, for like over 30 years, he never asked for donations. And yet, uh, I can't even remember the amount of money. It's like so much money that God brought to take care of orphans and take care of him. And he has stories after stories in his books. Uh, like in here, I'd written down that uh, he cared uh, through those years for over 10,000 boys and girls. Isn't that amazing. It says, on many occasions, the help came while they prayed. A grocer would come by with bread, cheese, meat, eggs, so the children would have breakfast in the morning. Mueller proved in his own life that you can take God at his word. After he died, they, someone picked up his well-worn Bible and began to look through it and came to this passage we're focusing on tonight in Psalm 37, 23, and 24. But they noticed in Psalm 20, 37, 23, he added two little words. To the text where Lillard said, The steps and stops of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps and the stops. You may think it's a stop, but God's got it under control. Even when it doesn't look like it should be what's happening. Next one here, God takes pleasure in our struggle to walk in holiness. Notice as it says, He delights. Our God delights. 
um, when we are sold out to him. It's not a delight in uh, suffering. Because when we stumble, there's pain that's involved. But it's a delight in what he's able to do in our lives through that stumble. How he's able to minister and transform us and get the rough edges off, put us through the furnace and strengthen our walk. Spurgeon uh, wrote this, he said, As parents are pleased with the tottering footsteps of their babes, all that concerns a saint is interesting to his heavenly father. God loves to view the holy strivings of a soul pressing forward to the skies. Um, Atticus has moved on to the world of crawling. And uh, he has taken off. And uh, we really enjoy him. He's such a blessing. And it won't be long till that rascal will be ready to walk. Well, he at least looks that way to me. He keeps standing up and smiling. Look at me. I'm standing up. And, you know, when they get to that point where they're able to get on their feet, a little older than Atticus, but, and ready to really start taking those steps, you know, at first, the mom or the dad holds those little hands to help. Just to make the baby stable so that he or she can take that little step. Well, when you know, every once in a while, let's go. And... Uh, there's some falling that happens when you let go. It takes a while, usually. There may be many falls before the child's able to really begin to walk. But does a loving parent say, Oh, I don't ever want my baby to fall. So I'm never going to let go. No. Loving parents expect some falling before the walking occurs. And so with our God... As we seek to walk with him, there are times where we stumble and we fall. There are times we feel like he's let go of us and he's not going to pick us back up. But we also know what the loving parent does is he grabs his little hands and helps him back on his feet. That's the power of our God who does not leave us when we fall, but is willing to pick us back up. He doesn't focus on the fact that we stumbled. He doesn't focus on the fact that we're on our fannies. That he's ready to pick us back up and to forgive us. So that's how it is spiritually with Christ. Uh, I love that in Romans 8, 38 and 39. It's a reminder that even when we fall, that nothing can separate us from his love. You know, as Paul writes, he says, I'm convinced that nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Um. Neither angels nor demons, neither present or the future, he says, um, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. None of it will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It's safe. It's secure. You can count on it. I love the story of the prodigal son, but the truth is it's really more about the loving father. And the prodigal son. Because the young man runs off. And he wastes everything. And he's so broken. He finally comes back thinking. I'll just be a servant. I don't expect. To be part of the family anymore. 
I don't deserve any of it. And he's rehearsing his speech. You know, I'm a, I'm a slime ball, whatever, you know, as he's walking back, head down. But I love that in the scripture where Jesus says, the Father is waiting and he's watching. And he catches sight of his son. And what's he do? Screams at him. That's not what he does. You guys know better than that. He takes off running. And that was kind of an undignified thing to do for an older Hebrew man. You know, it's hard to run in those robes and stuff. But he's headed out there. He forgets all about that. What's proper. Why? Because he saw his boy. And he ran to him and he embraced him. And it was like he never left. And I've always loved that about God. We may stumble, but we have a God that says, I will catch you, and when I catch you, I'm not going to beat you up. I want to bring you back. I want to restore you. I want to bring you back to a a part of the family that loves you. That's my heart. That's God's heart. He permits us to fall so he can work in us. A third, God designs our trials so that they will not destroy us. Think of Job uh, in 23.10 of the book of Job. He says, he knows the way that I take. When he's tested me, I will come forth as gold. You know, you think of several in the Bible. You think of Job who lost everything. But in the end, God was still there. and There was a lot of suffering. But God did a great work in his life. And none of us would choose to go through anything like Job went through. But he's such an inspiration as we see how he hung tough and how God would bless. And then we think about Joseph. It seemed like everything Joseph did, it just went south. It seemed like everything was going wrong. And yet God was preparing him to be the greatest person. Second in command, but he was really the guy calling the shots over Pharaoh as God did this marvelous work. But it certainly didn't look that way for years of his life as he went through suffering or Peter, when he heard these words of the Lord Jesus, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. And then what happened? Oh, man. He boasted, God, Jesus, I will never fall away. You can count on me. (laughs) Then there was the teenage girl at the fire. You sound like one of them. And the cursing, the swearing, the denials, the shame that just covered Peter, the tears, and the guilt. Man, the guilt must have been overwhelming for Peter. And then the restoration. Feed my sheep. As God would work powerfully through Peter. Jesus knew. Yeah, Peter was a braggart. Peter had his rough edges. But he also knew that that wasn't all Peter was. Peter was more than that. A.W. Tozer used to say, It's doubtful God ever uses a man greatly until he hurts him deeply. There's something connected about the tough times and God making us tough in him. And one last one here before we close. We will not utterly fall because God 
will not let us go. This quote from Spurgeon. No saint shall fall finally or fatally. Sorrow may bring us to the earth. Death may bring us to the grave. But lower we cannot sink. And out of the lowest of all, we shall rise to the highest of all. Martin Luther wrote, There are three things to make a man of God. Meditation, prayer, and temptation. We're fine with the first two. (laughs) Meditation and prayer, but temptation. We want to take off the list, and yet God works through it. When we trust Him, sometimes we fall. But if temptation does not necessarily mean we sin. Temptation is what is presented before us. And what we do with it is the result. You can be tempted and it can be something to pull you away from God. Or it could be something to deepen you in God when you stand close with Him. Uh, someone has said, sin only delights for a season and that all Satan's apples have worms. So what a great thought. All right, I close this thing out. Um, some simple statements. So we think about this year we're facing. Struggles are necessary. Fight on. The Father's not forgotten you. Hang on. Your future's assured. Walk on. If you're tired of your sin, run to the cross. If you want a new start in life, run to the cross. If you feel like a failure, run to the cross. If you fear the future, run to the cross. If you need hope and encouragement, run to the cross. If you want to meet Jesus, run to the cross. I don't care what it is, just run to the cross, okay? (laughs) That's kind of the point. Um, There's only one step between us and, and destruction, but there's a Savior at that step. Let's pray. Father, uh, it's always good to be with you and your people, Lord. It's good to know that you provide firm places for us to walk. That in Christ there is life that matters. And there's an eternity that is real. And Father, as we prepare to head out of this building that we gather in, Lord, um, Kingsway is headed out to touch our area, Lord, help us to know that our steps, Father, they're firm and they're ordered. Um, all the days ordained for us were written in your book. Before one of them came to be, you're on top of it. So may we walk with that assurance, Lord. Sometimes we don't understand, but remind us of the cross. May we run to the cross. Wherever we go, whatever we say, and whatever we face, may we run to the cross, I just pray tonight as we have an opportunity to respond to you. You know where we are and may we listen to you and say yes to your call, whatever that may be. And uh, so, Father, I, that's that's my prayer, Lord. Hopefully you have spoken and, and may we just say yes to whatever it is you ask. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.